Now time for the BCHL Podcast, presented by Subway. Here's Finn Williams to end the game to the floor. Yeah. He scores! There's a backdoor play. What a goal! Zach Michaelis! Rolling puck in front. Tied up in skate. Rowan Clark with a heroic save. My goodness, Rowan Clark. What did you eat for pregame? Real balls, real shoot scores! Patrick for Nick Real. Donaldson driving the goal, wrapping around. He scores! Brilliant goal by Sean Donaldson. Schleppi to the goal. Once again, he scores! Oh my word, Tyler Schleppi with a dandy! Three on one. A move. Vito back to a move. What a save by May. Coming across with the left leg. My goodness. Hey there. Welcome to the BCHL podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. As usual, we have a couple great interviews for you today. But before we get to those, I want to remind you that the BCHL podcast is presented by Subway. Subway is a longtime partner of the BCHL, and we thank them for their continued support. All right, let's get to our guests. First up, we speak with Penticton V's head coach, Fred Harbinson, who is fresh off a a very significant milestone. And we also speak with Penticton Panthers alumnus, and longtime NHLer Brendan Morrison. First up is our conversation with Harbinson. Uh, Fred Harbinson is coming off uh, a win last weekend where he recorded his 600th BCHL win. And he has this year's edition of his Penticton movies comfortably in first place. Uh, they won a big matchup on Wednesday night against Salmon Arm in a battle of the first and second place teams in the interior conference and they came out on top and extended that lead so uh he's got his team in pretty good shape this year as well we chat with fred about what has impressed him so far about this year's squad and of course we look back over his time in the league since he started all the way back in 2007 on top of that we get into his playing days as well uh he used to play for the calgary canucks of the alberta junior hockey league and then the University of Wisconsin-Superior, uh, an NCAA Div 3 program from 1991 to 1995. So it was a great chat with someone who's been in the league for a very long time, uh, who has plenty of uh, stories and, and opinions on the history of the league. So let's not waste any more time and get to our interview with Penticton V's head coach, Fred Harbinson. All right, Fred. Well, you recorded your 600th win in the BCHL last weekend. Um, w- with that in mind, and g- given the, that you started in the BCHL in 2007, uh, what comes to mind when you accomplish a milestone like that and kind of think back on your time in the league? Uh, what comes to mind is, uh, you know, obviously uh, getting old, I guess. Um, <laughs> but all, all joking aside, I think uh, what comes to mind is all the great people that I've uh, had the pleasure of working with here in Penticton. Um, you know, obviously ownership's been outstanding and Graham Fraser and Sue Fraser have been with me since uh, my second year. You know, uh, there was a different group, Scott Carter, was the, you know, who's the, now the GM with, with Spokane was, uh, was kind of the guy that brought me here. And then me and Graham uh, have been together for, for 14 years. So a lot of great memories with him. And then, you know, a ton, you know, a number of, assistant coaches, trainers, and of course the players. And, um, so it's just, yeah, a lot of memories, uh, have been built here. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, great, great moments. And, and, uh, so you get some time to kind of reflect on it. And it was definitely for me, like something like this, it's just, you know, it's an organizational thing that we're, that we're proud of that, um, you know, to be consistent winning that many games over that 
period of time. Yeah, so speaking of some of those players that you mentioned, the V's uh, have produced uh, so many high-end college players throughout the years that you've been here, quite a few pro players as well. I know that you continue your relationships with many of those players long after they're gone. So uh, how satisfying is it for you to see those former players that you worked with go on to have so much success at the next levels? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things we talk about in the in the recruiting process here is that, you know, we try to we try to make it a, you know, a family environment and, and, um, you know, it's, you know, we, we clearly care, right. Like I said, right from our ownership down, our coaches, everybody that's involved, it really cares about the players here and more than just their hockey side, but it carries on. Obviously you build those relationships and it carries on after they leave. You, you want to see them do well, not just in hockey. I, I, I take just as much pride in, seeing, you know, some of my guys now that are, you know, in the business sector, you know, working for different companies and, you know, now because, you know, some of them are becoming, you know, parents and, you know, married, you know, fathers and, and uh, husbands. And so you take a lot of pride in that. And I think it goes both ways. I think, you know, when you like, you know, you look at when we, we hit that, when I hit that milestone on, on the weekend, the amount of alumni guys that played for us uh, that reached out, um, you know, I think, we care for them. They care for us. And I think that's what's made our, our program real special. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit, but um, given that you do move so many players on and um, a, a lot of those higher end players want to come play in Penticton, what do you think it is about the program that attracts those high end players? And then uh, what is what is it about the program that allows them to kind of thrive with uh, in their time with you guys and then beyond? Yeah, I think um, I think you know, good player, you know, you know, players at this level, they want to be in an environment that it matters, you know, that, that it matters. Um, and, and so you look at our facility and you go, you know, on, you know, you know, and obviously we're coming back from COVID now, but you know, you're getting 3000 fans. So, you know, you around town, our guys are treated, um, you know, like, like basically like pro players and, and, you know, we try to, our day-to-day routine with, you know, our, our ownership gives us, um, you know, the ability to have a big staff so we can work with our guys individually and, and put a lot of, uh, detail into our daily routine. And, you know, I always talk about when, when players come here about how it's, you know, we're going to make them accountable and we're going to put them in a, you know, you know, in a professional environment day after day after day. And it's, uh, I think players that want to get to the next level, be it, you know, the NCAA or, you know, at, you know, they still have the dreams of, which we know is very difficult, but this dream of playing in the national hockey league that, you know, they feel that if, I think if they're, they're in this environment, it gives them a, a you know, a strong chance of, of achieving those goals. And, and if they don't, they have, you know, I think, like I said, we, we, we it's something that they can look back on and, and, and play in a place that, you know, if this is the highest level kind of that they play, that it's a pretty special thing to be part of. Before you came to Penticton in 2007, you were an assistant coach at St. Cloud State University, uh, NCAA Division One. What made you want to make the jump to the BCHL rather than maybe holding out for a head coaching job in the NCAA? Um, yeah, I don't know. It was an interesting, like, um, to be quite honest, at first I wasn't sure if I wanted to come back to junior hockey. I'd been a head coach for a few years in in, in uh in junior hockey and I'd coached at Sioux Sioux city in the USHL and spent five years in, 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 uh, in St. Cloud. And, and when I was first approached about coming to Penticton, I had different thoughts about it. But then when I saw the commitment that they were putting into the new rink and, 
and whatnot. It, it was intriguing and just the, the rich history and tradition that we've already kind of touched on that was well before I ever came here um, was something that, you know, kind of was, you know, I said was intriguing and, and then it became, you know, like then a lot of people say, well, you know, well, you know, how, why didn't you leave? And, and, you know, I think the relationship I built with, with Graham or my owner, um, we, you know, I think then it became kind of a unique situation that we feel that we have here in that, uh, you know, you know, with just the, the type of program that we, that we put on the ice year after year, it kind of transformed over time from being a job into more of a, you know, kind of a legacy piece, uh, as you get older, you know, I come here in my, in my thirties and now I'm 50 years old. You kind of go, you know, geez, like, yeah, that, you know, the, the grass, you know, sometimes you think, Hey, it's going to be greener somewhere else. Or you want to go to that next, you know, another level, maybe coaching in pro hockey or whatever. And then, and, and then, you know, I think we've kind of put up <clears throat> situation over the last few years where, you've, you know, you take a lot of pride in, what we're doing at this level, what we're doing for the, the league, um, you know, what we're doing, you know, to, to help elevate the league along with, uh, with a lot of other great teams in our league. And it's something that we take a lot of pride in. So you weren't always a coach though. Like almost all coaches, you started out as a player when you were younger. So, uh, mm-hmm. you played in the Alberta junior hockey league for a couple of years, played, uh, NCAA div three for university mm-hmm. of Wisconsin superior. So, uh, what type of player were you back in your playing days? Um, yeah, it was a different era, obviously, you know, like, uh, won a national championship with the Calgary Buffaloes and went on a bunch of us went on and went to the Calgary Canucks and, and, and won the AJ and, um, and then I scored 30 goals. I think that year was an all-star in the league. And, and, uh, obviously it was a lot different back then as far as the opportunities in division one. And, and, um, I went to University of Wisconsin Superior, where I ended up being an All-American there, and had a great opportunity. And and um, you know, there, I had a few injuries with I had a ACL tear one year, but uh, other than that, you know, I was able to put up a lot of goals. So I was always kind of a goal scorer, but a physical player at the same time. Um, you know, I, I, I clearly the different different style of hockey back then than it is today, and. Um, and then from there, you know, I was, I was actually had planned, I was going to play pro in, in Italy. I, I've got Italian background. My mom uh, was born in Italy. And, and then that's when the, the coaching job opened up actually at Wisconsin Superior as one of the longtime assistants retired. And uh, my head coach, Steve Nelson, who I'm still really close with today, um, approached me. I, you know, I was one of the captains the year before and said, Hey, have you ever thought about coaching? And, you know, we would pay for your masters and that sort of thing if you wanted to do that. And, and, um, you know, and I just decided, you know what, maybe it's better than going on and playing. And, and, uh, I think I just finished my, or I'm finishing my, I think 28th year of coaching now. So I, obviously it was the right, the right move. Were you the type of player that head coach and GM Fred Harbinson would allow on his team? <laughs> I took too many penalties. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, t- I took too many penalties. I, I'd like a lot of things about the way I played. Um, but, uh, like I said, and it's funny because when my friends and, and, and guys that played against me and stuff, see how our teams are always one of the more disciplined teams. They always kind of give me a hard time about that because <laughs> I was, uh, a little, a little different when I played, but, um, but, uh, yeah, you have to, you have to move on with the times, but, uh, but you know what I, I was, uh, the one thing I'm proud of, I guess. And one of the things is my, my teammates would always say is that I was always, 
you know, when the things got tough, I was always there and, and, you know, and I was involved with a lot of winning teams over my, over my career as a player and, and, and clearly as a coach as well. So it's, it's been fun being a part of those winning teams. So focusing on this season now, your team's in first place in the league standings, only a few games to go. Uh, obviously there's a lot to like about the team this year, but what's impressed you about this group of players so far? Um, we went through a tough uh, sort of stretch there in January when we had, had some injuries, COVID hit us pretty hard. And, um, you know, and I think we, we needed to learn kind of what our identity was. And I think we, we figured that out over that time. And, you know, I think now like we're playing the right, the last 25 game, we've been, you know, really playing the right way. Um, you know, you know, it's great that we're getting results, but even, you know, our loss that we had a couple of weeks ago was probably one of the best games we played. And, and when you're playing, you know, I think we're playing, you know, four lines kind of coming in waves, um, you know, all our, all seven of our D have contributed and we've had to buy both goaltenders. So it's, um, you know, I think our depth is something that I, I think is going to be positive down the stretch. We haven't had to overuse players, but um, for me, it's just that I think we're, you know, what happens with our team a lot of times, it's funny that a lot of the organizations get tabbed a certain thing. And so, you know, the V is always, Oh, they're a skill team. Well, you know, 2017, we had to go to three game sevens and I thought we were a heavy physical team. And this year, I think we're kind of the, the same kind of thing where we, you know, I think we're hard on the four check. I think we're defensively responsible and yes, we do. We have some guys that can make some plays. Absolutely. But I think it's a little more, hard skill, which is becoming a kind of a fashionable term, but it's, uh, you know, I, I don't see us as a team that, uh, you know, can be intimidated or pushed to the outside. I think we'll, we'll, we'll be able to battle with anybody that, you know, and play different ways to win. You mentioned injuries. One of the key injuries, unfortunately, was your captain, Finn Williams. You lost him for the season due to injury. Uh, how big of a loss was it to be without him for the rest of the year? Well, I mean, you put the C on someone for a reason, right? And he's, he's, uh, his leadership qualities are, you know, are, are extremely high. And, and, um, and I think that was a bit like when I said about our, our little, you know, area there where we were struggling, I think a bit of it was probably a little bit of shock in the room that, you know, Finn put so much effort into his game and, and into making sure that everybody else is ready to, that all of a sudden he, you find out he's not going to be, around for the rest of the year was, was tough on the guys. And, and obviously I'm Finn and I know he'll bounce back from it and be ready to move on to college. But, um, but yeah, I know it, uh, you know, probably as far as the hockey side, what, what saved us is the addition of Adam Isley. It was ironic because I mean, it was supposed to be that, you know, just adding him to a strong, a uh, group of centermen and, and instead it was, you know, basically, you know, he came in right, you know, when, when, when Finn got hurt. So, you know, we were, you know, very fortunate that he was able to kind of slide into that spot and take Finn's ice time. Um, but, you know, that we were, you know, it's hard to replace a player of that caliber. And so, you know, we, you know, I, I'm sure Finn will be uh, fully recovered for next year and be ready to go on to college and, and, um, and obviously wish him the best of luck, but, uh, but it definitely took some time to, to regroup and, and, uh, get past it. Yeah. You mentioned, um, Isley coming in and the great timing, um, for on that part on the ice, but what about off the ice? How was the team approach trying to fill that leadership void with their captain under the lineup? Yeah. I mean, everybody, had, you know, I think, um, we talked about it, you know, it wasn't going to be one guy. Everybody had to, you know, take another step and, 
and make sure they're you know pulling pulling their weight and 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 picking up the slack for Finn being gone. Frank Jurasevic has been our internally kind of our our um, you know our captain as for you you know he's wearing a, an A, but uh, you know basically is. Um, in charge as, as captain while Finn is gone and, and, um, and he's done a, you know, an outstanding job as well. And, um, you know, I think there's been a big growth in him as a, in Frank's game and not just his game, but his personality over his time here in Penticton from last year in the pod to now. And, um, you know, honest, honestly, like the guys right from top to bottom and, you know, Casey McDonald's been another one that's really stepped up and, um, but you know, honestly, I, I, I think our guys have done, uh, an, just an outstanding job of, of regrouping after a tough, you know, loss and losing your captain. So your team is pretty close to clinching first place in the conference, first place overall. And you have a, a big game this week against salmon arm. That'll go yeah. a long way towards that. But, uh, beyond clinching top spot, what are you hoping to see from your team down the stretch here as you get closer to the playoffs? Um, kind of just more of the same of what we've been doing of late and, and understanding that we might have to win one game one way and another game another and that'll translate into we might have to win one series one way and then if we're fortunate to get through a series you might have to regroup and and change focus and and play a whole different way to to win the you know, another one and you know I've won four cups here and and one time other time been to the finals and every single i mean that's we've had different teams but the one thing that's constant is when you when you go through playoff you know long playoff runs like that you have to be able to adjust uh um you know di- you know different things that come your way and 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 not lose focus and and you can't get distracted and that's one of the things we've been preaching to our guys um as of late and and not mattering what opponent is in front of us if we have a different adjustments that we have to make we have to find a way to execute them and make them and and um and and then the last piece is just don't let outside noise get in the way you know and we're a team that uh has been close to the top so many years that you know you kind of outside your own fan group probably a lot of people root against you and not because they, uh, you know you know you know how it is sometimes when you when you when you have success and you know, people root for the underdog and that sort of thing. And we just got to make sure that we stay within our, within ourselves and don't, don't listen to the people that are patting you on the back too much. And the people that are trying to drag you down and just worry about the guys that are in the room. Last question for you. And we talked about some bigger picture stuff at the start. So I just want to go back to that for a second. So mm-hmm. uh, since you started in the league back in 07, uh, you've obviously seen a lot in, in this league. So um, when you take that big picture, look, what type of progress or changes have you seen from the league overall uh, during your time here? Well, it's been immense. Like it's, um, you know, no. And again, this, this isn't to shed light on anybody that was running things at the beginning. It's just like, like anything you have to progress and you, and things evolve. And, you know, I look at the, what you guys are all doing at the front, at the BCHL office with, uh, you know, you have, you know, Brad Lazarowicz as director of player safety. You got Steve Cocker, obviously Chris Hebb yourself, like Jake Baker. I mean, everybody is, I just think there's such a professionalism to um, the way our league is operated now and, and that gains respect throughout the hockey community. And I think, I think a lot of teams have, have taken, you know, seen that. And, and um, you know, I think at times leagues, sometimes, you know, when you, when you look at different leagues and junior hockey, sometimes it's like the league office against the, 
on one side and the teams on the other. And I think there's a lot of cohesiveness now with ownerships and governors and the league office. And, and, and I think that, uh, you know, we, we all want to beat each other when we hit the ice, but I think working together as a collective group has been really important to, to see this, you know, league taking the steps it has. And, and I think it's, it was so important because with what went on the last two years with COVID and whatnot, I don't think if we, didn't have that cohesiveness that, you know, Hey, who knows where we would have been. And and so you know, I have a lot of respect for what the league has done and I love being part of it. Um, you know, we, we love being, uh, we, we feel that we're, you know, a positive part of the league and, and, you know, just like there's certain teams that when I first got here, we tried to chase and tried to, we emulate. And I know that there's teams that, you know, and this isn't an arrogant state. I think teams try to emulate us. And I think that's what, it, how, it, how it works. I mean, um, and I'm still trying to emulate other teams. I'm still watching what other teams do and how hard they work. And I want to make sure that I don't get outworked and, and I'll be continue to do that all the way through. And, and, uh, so yeah, I'm very proud to be part of this league right now. Awesome, Fred. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, congrats again on 600 and best of luck to you and your team, uh, down the stretch here. All right. Thank you so much. What would you call a new crispy chicken sidekick made by Subway sandwich experts? With seasoned chicken breast free from artificial flavors, a crispy golden brown coating, and freshly prepared just for you? At Subway, we call it the complete package. Introducing our new crispy chicken sidekick. Only $3.99, only at Subway, and only here for a limited time. Subway, eat fresh. Freshly prepared for your order. Limited time at participating restaurants. Extras additional plus tax. Big thank you to Fred Harbinson for joining the podcast and congratulations again on 600 wins. All right, next up, we continue our 60th anniversary alumni interviews. And this one is with Brendan Morrison. Morrison played one year for the Penticton Panthers in the early 90s and then went on to play four years at the University of Michigan. In his junior year, he led the team all the way to the national championship and eventually scored the overtime game-winning goal against Colorado College to give the University of Michigan the national title. After his time in college, he played in the NHL for quite a long time. He's likely best known for his eight years he spent playing for the Vancouver Canucks, his hometown team, as he's from Pitt Meadows. Uh, But he also had stops in New Jersey. He was drafted by the Devils. And then he played for the Anaheim Ducks, the Dallas Stars, the Washington Capitals, Calgary Flames, and finished his career with the Chicago Blackhawks. We had a great chat with Morrison. We covered a wide range of topics, obviously got into his time in the BCHL, uh, his experience with the draft. He tells some good stories there. Uh, we talk about the national title at Michigan, what it meant to him in the program. Uh, get into his NHL career, specifically a, a lot about the Canucks and then uh, what he's doing post-career. So there's plenty to chew on in this interview. So uh, let's get right to it. Our interview with former Penticton Panther and longtime NHLer Brendan Morrison. All right, Brendan. Well, uh, this is a, a BCHL podcast, so so that's probably where we should start. So uh, you played the 1992-93 season with the Penticton Panthers after playing midget for uh, Ridge Meadows in your hometown. But uh, in that 92-93 season, what do you remember about making the transition to junior hockey? 
well, it seems like a long time ago, but, but I guess it is a long time ago, man. <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, we're creeping up to, to 30 years, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember, um, you know, it, it being, uh, you know, it's an interesting time in a young hockey player's career when that was the first time I was going to move away from home and live with a billet family. So there's a lot of unknowns as far as, you know, how, how are things going to work that way and going to a new school and all that. But I, I really liked the, the program in Penticton and, uh, and believed in what Gary Davidson was doing. You know, he, uh, he had some, some players that had uh, come through the program before I'd got there and, and had moved on to uh, the NCAA ranks, which is a route that I wanted to pursue. So he had a track record of, of moving guys on and, and, um, you know, that was something that I found very attractive and, and uh, I like Gary's demeanor and, and, uh, you know, they always had successful teams. So I, I thought it would be a, a good choice to go there and, and, uh, and see how things would work out. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, uh, what what was it about the NCAA route that was the best fit for you in your career? Well, I think one of the biggest things for me was, well, one was I, I wanted to go to school and get an education and was, um, you know, always had in the back of my mind if, you know, if hockey didn't work out. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, a pretty nice thing to have in your back pocket is, is, a, is a college degree that you can utilize and, 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 and put to use. So that, that was one thing that was uh, a big reason. You know, another reason was I, I just, I liked the college game. I, uh, I felt it would, it would allow me to mature a little bit. When I played in Penticton as a 17 year old, you know, I, I wasn't uh, a huge player and, and, you know, I was probably a hundred 50 155 pounds so i needed to mature physically a little bit and i felt you know going the college route would would allow me to do that and and would uh would give me some time that way yeah before we get into uh your time in college just a couple more about the bchl so you had 94 points in 56 games as a 17 year old so obviously uh the the transition went pretty well for you so why, why do you think you were able to come in and have that success right away well i mean being surrounded by good players helps a lot. You know, we had, uh, we had some good leadership on that team and, and we also had some other young players that I was very familiar with coming in that same year. Um, I played a lot of my minor hockey against Dave Whitworth, Mike Daron. And, uh, so I knew those guys well going in, going in there, but you know, I, I, I had an opportunity to actually, uh, spend the, the year before with, with Kelowna. I'd gone to their camp and their coach was, it was John Oliver at the time. And I had actually, stayed after camp and, and I was with a billet family and I was debating if I should stay as a 16 year old, should I not stay? And, and I just felt I needed more time to go back to midget and, you know, kind of be the guy, if you will, like, you know, play a ton, you know, play in all situations, you know, put up big numbers and, and have a lot of confidence when I came to junior hockey. And so that year going back to midget, I felt really helped me. And, and I, I was confident. I, I felt good about where my game was, but you just never know how it's going to translate. But, you know, like, uh, it, it, you know, our, our team was good. Um, you know, again, I got put into good situations. I, you know, I played on the power play and, and I played a lot of minutes and, um, you know, just got off to a good start and things kind of snowballed. It was, it was, uh, it was interesting. I only really had one scholarship offer prior to Christmas or at the early signing date, which is in November. And then, you know, once Christmas hit, there would be more and more schools there, not only watching myself, but the team. And then, you know, that was my draft year as well. So, you know, you'd, you'd hear rumors that there was NHL scouts at games and, 
and um, things just kind of snowballed and and anytime you have a, a good team you know players get recognized and, and i think that was a, a big reason why you know, kind of had the exposure there and doing these interviews uh talking to guys from the different eras of the bchl i've been really curious to get a sense of what the playing style was like when when those players played and obviously the game has changed so much uh and especially with a, a league like the bchl which is 60 years old now so uh when you were in the league in the early 90s how would you describe the style of play in the bc hockey league well, I would say, you know, it was still, an, it's known as an offensive league today. And I still think it had that, you know, kind of uh, feel to it or style to it when I played in the early 90s. But if you think back to the early 90s there, uh, a lot of the rinks we played in, because we were in the interior division, were tiny arenas. Like we played at the old Memorial in Penticton, which is a small rink. We played in a tiny rink in Kelowna. We played in a small rink in Vernon. So, I mean, it, they were, although it was offensive hockey, they were very physical. Um, you know, playing in those tiny rinks, there wasn't a lot of room in corners and things like that. So, and you you had, you learned to make decisions quickly in those small arenas. So um, that's kind of how I would describe it. And then after that year in Penticton, you were drafted in the second round by the New, New Jersey Devils. Um, at that time, uh, the the BCHL or the BCJHL, as it was known, uh, was starting to get some more recognition uh, at the NHL draft. But uh, you being taken in the second round were uh, one of the highest picks the league had seen at that time. So uh, what do you remember about that time and coming off your year in Penticton and getting drafted by the Devils? Yeah, and it was a, it was an exciting time, you know, uh, in the second half of that season, you know, again, with the team success and, and having some personal success, there was, you know, more scouts coming out, watching. And then when the season ended, you know, I had I had multiple uh, teams come in and, and interview me and you still really never know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I got flown back to Toronto by the New Jersey Devils. You know, they actually put me through a battery of like physical tests on a treadmill and things like that. And, and uh, so it was interesting. And then the hockey news came out and Bob McKenzie kind of had his, his, his uh, you know, his annual kind of top, uh, I think it's like uh, 50 or 52 prospects at the time it was. And, and he had me pegged as, uh, as going 39th and uh, to New Jersey, which was kind of funny. But I, but I... I ended up talking to a handful of teams. So long story short, I actually did go back to the draft that year. It was in Quebec city. Um, and, uh, it, it was wild because that, that's the year that Alexander Digg went number one overall and, and being a kid from Quebec, you know, I, I remember going into the draft and, and it was like this parade, like a horse and carriage and, and everybody, I mean, Ottawa had already come out and said, they're going to take Digg number one. So he was actually riding like in this horse and carriage into the Colisee, sitting beside Jean Belleville. Like it was a crazy spectacle when you think about it. Like, but, uh, yeah. So went into the draft. Uh, my dad, my dad came with me and, and I remember it being so hot. Like what happened was, is the air conditioning in the rink wasn't working. It was like a hundred degrees outside. Like people were just dying inside sweating, but, uh, yeah, it was exciting. Um, I actually thought there was a chance I could go to Washington in the, in the first round. They had two picks, and I, I think it was their 17th or 19th pick. They actually came up and said, you know, we draft uh, Brendan, <laughs> Brendan Witt, oh. E-Man. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. But, uh, you know, then Jersey had a couple picks in the second round, and, and again, I talked to them a fair amount, and they'd flown me back to Toronto. So I thought there was a good chance that it might happen then, and, and it did. So, um, yeah, it was a great feeling, you know, get to go – but, you know, it's just kind of, 
you know, it's nice to have that recognition, but it, again, it's, it's just kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like just one rung on the ladder, right? Uh, it's, you got a lot of work in front of you, but it was uh, it definitely was a neat experience. Bob McKenzie nailed it. 39th overall. <laughs> Margarita Bob. <he> nailed <laughs> exactly. It, <yeah. laughs> the best in the biz. <laughs> so after your draft, uh, you, you played four years at the university, university of Michigan, uh, including two as team captain. You were a Hobie F- Baker finalist three out of the four years. Uh, but the one thing uh, I wanted to talk to you about from that stint was uh, your third year. Uh, you scored the overtime winner in the national championship game. Uh, not, not many people get to experience scoring such a monumental goal at, at any level in their career. So uh, what do you remember about that moment and what does it mean to you? Well, it was a real special time for, for the hockey program at the University of Michigan. They'd kind of been knocking on the door for about four, five, six years in a row and just kind of couldn't get over the hump. And uh, we that team, we got on a really good roll at the end of the season. And, and to be honest, like out of my four years, that, that, that might have been um, – the least talented team I had in four years there or played on in four years, but we came together at the right time. We went out, we went on a heater at the end of the year and, and they culminated with winning the national championship. That was our 11th straight win in a row, but it was a tight game. Like, uh, Marty Turco was outstanding in that. And we got down in that game and, and he made a couple highlight reel saves. And then we battled back and, and, uh, you know, I believe Mike leg tied it. And, uh, you know, we didn't generate a lot of shots in that game. It was interesting both ways. But uh, anyways, we here we are. We're, we're going into overtime. And, um, you know, I just, I just had a good feeling. Like, I just, you know, you always dr- think about these scenarios in your head when you're a young kid about always scoring a big goal and that. And it just, it worked out where, where we, I intercepted a, a kind of a breakout pass around uh, around the boards and, and I knew Bill McCall was in the high slot there so I just kind of made a blind pass to him I just spun and turned and, and I, I knew he was going to be there and um, and uh, I just went to the net and it was it's funny like it's like even today I can remember it like it was yesterday everything just kind of went into slow motion and I beat my man off the wall to the net um, Ryan Bach, the, Col- the Colorado goaltender, went down, made a save, and, and the rebound came right to me. And I, I pretty much had a wide open net. I just wanted to make sure I got the puck up, and puck, I got it up, and it was just kind of going end over end. And you know, I circled the net, and, and I could see the bench and my teammates and with their hands up in the air. And it was, it was kind of like a surreal moment, really. You don't really know, did this just happen? Did it not happen? <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it was it was exciting. There's no question about it. It was just again. Um, you know, a, a neat moment, a real, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, uh, a moment for the U- University of Michigan hockey program and for Red Barons and our coach to kind of get over that hump and and uh, prove that we could win win a big game and uh, all the hard work that went in to building that program and a lot of the players that you know played before I did and, and my teammates. It was uh, it was a you know a victory that was kind of celebrated by a lot of different people. Uh, that's an awesome story. Uh, so after that, you broke into the NHL after your four years uh, at Michigan during the 97-98 season uh, with the Devils. But uh, into your third year, you were traded to your hometown, Vancouver Canucks. So obviously you you knew the team well growing up uh, in the lower mainland. Um, and I'm sure the team probably meant a lot to you as well when you were a kid. Uh, so what uh, what were you feeling when you got the news that you were going to be traded to Vancouver? Well, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. Like, there had been some rumors uh, that I was going to get moved throughout the season, and, and I had a bit of a, a contract 
uh, stalemate, I guess you could call it that in, in the training camp the previous year. So I'd had some discussions throughout, throughout the season with, you know, Mr. Lamorello, the Lamorello about the possibility of being moved. And, um, so what I was actually have on, on trade deadline day, it was March 14th. I was having, uh, 2000, I was having lunch with my, uh, fiance at the time and now my wife and, uh, her sister came into town and her sister is, is married to Daryl Ray, who is the color commentator for the Dallas stars. So we were out for lunch and, and Daryl was on a phone call with uh, the radio station out of Toronto. And they were asking his opinion on a bunch of the deadline deals. And right before he was going to hang up the phone, it was getting real close to the cutoff there at three o'clock Eastern. And uh, he just said, Hey, anything else come across the wire at the last minute? And they're like, hold on, something's coming right now. So they're like, yeah, the Vancouver Canucks just traded Alexander McGillney to uh, the New Jersey Devils for uh, uh, Brendan Morrison and Dennis Peterson. So my brother-in-law's like, oh, really? Okay, I'll, I'll let him know. Thanks. So he hangs up the phone. He's like, you just got traded. I'm like, no way. He's like, that's what they just told me. So, you know, at that time there, there wasn't a lot of social media. Um I did have a cell phone, the old flip phone, and, and, and in about 10 minutes, my phone started buzzing. I had some buddies from BC call me, like, hey, we just saw your name go, like, on the ticker. I'm like, I haven't heard anything yet. Like, they're like, yeah, no, you got your good Vancouver. I'm like, well, seriously, I don't know if it happened or not. So uh, we wrap up lunch, and, and, and I head back to my um, place in New Jersey, and, and I pulled into the driveway at, like, 3.45 Eastern. So we're almost an hour after the deadline, and it was, uh, it was Lou's secretary – and said, Hey, um, you know, Lou would like to speak to you. So I obviously knew what happened. So he told me that, uh, they made a deal and they were, he was sending me home and, you know, uh, he wanted me to come to the rink to grab my gear and he wanted to talk to me in person. So I had a little face to face meeting with him, but yeah, I mean that it's, it, then it's a whirlwind. Like that happened, like you said, three forty five, four Eastern. It's like, you know, Vancouver wanted to get me on a plane that night, a PD and I on a plane that night so we can play the next day. I'm like, I can't get out of here that quick. So we ended up flying out the next morning and played that night. And we played, uh, our first game was at home against Buffalo against the Sabres. And, um, yeah, I ended up scoring in my first game that night in Vancouver. So going home was, uh, was real special and, and, you know, family and, and a lot of friends there obviously. And, and it, getting to go to Vancouver at a time when the club was just kind of starting an upswing and, and um, you know, it was going to be competitive and, and an exciting team for a lot of years. Yeah. And part of that, a big part of that upswing was the line that you formed with Marcus Naslin and Todd Bertuzzi, the West coast express, which is known as one of, if not the best line in Canucks history. So uh, what was it about the three of you that worked so well? What was the chemistry there and why, why were you guys able to be so successful together? Yeah, like I, uh, we had a f- phenomenal time playing together and, and had a lot of good years there and a lot of excitement. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was fun. Um, it was interesting. Uh, Andrew Castles, when I first got there, Andrew Castles was, was centering those guys. In my first year, I primarily played with uh, like Matt Cook and uh, Peter Schaefer, and we had a pretty good year together. And then about halfway through the next season, we had a bit of a a bit of a lull there our team did and, and walked into Joe Lewis one morning for a pregame skate and had the lineup on the board and I saw my name was in between Bert and Nazi and had kind of did a double take and like yeah no that's what it says so I knew it was I knew it was a great opportunity for me um you know I was I was uh, excited for it I, I, I wanted to play with those guys I knew you know I learned a lot from watching um, Castles 
um, playing with those guys. So we, we played that night and, and uh, we had a couple goals right, right away in that game. And then they kept us together the next game. I think we had three the next game and we just kind of hit it off right away. But yeah, each, each one of us brought something different to the line. I think that's why we were successful. We were all, you know, um, you know, we, we wanted to succeed. We pushed each other. Uh, we were hard on each other. We demanded a lot. Like, you know, obviously Marcus was kind of the pure goal scorer, but his, his passing was very underrated. Bert was, you know, the best power forward in the game at the time who could finish, he could make plays, he could create room. And, you know, I think with, with myself, my playmaking ability, I, I could create and challenge guys with my speed, but also kind of brought a bit of a defensive consciousness to that line. And then that, that Canucks team in the, the mid-early 2000s era, um, the, you guys enjoyed some, some regular season success, some playoff success as well. Um, when you think back to that time in your career, what stands out to you the most about your Canucks career? Well, just you know, a great group of guys over the years. I mean, a team that was very entertaining to watch. We seemed like we were never out of a game. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate. We didn't have a lot of playoff success. Um, you know, I kind of really regret that. Uh, but we ran into a couple of juggernauts at the time. You look back like Colorado, Detroit, you know, a lot of hall of fame guys on there. But, um, you know, I, I think really just building, uh, that winning culture in Vancouver, if you will, like, and, and that lasted for a lot of years, like just selling out that rink and, uh, just the, the West coast and Vancouver really known for having an exciting brand of hockey and a team that was very, very competitive. So you've been retired for 10 years now, but I, I know you're still skating. You, you were at a, an alumni skate today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so, so how, how, how are you involved in the game at this point? What's your, uh, what's your level of all of involvement in the game of hockey right now? Well, not, not a whole lot like professionally at the NHL level or anything like that. But, you know, I, I still talk to guys, you know, weekly that a lot of my good buddies are involved in the game who are either coaching or, or assistant GMs or GMs. So I'm pretty in tune with it. But, um, you know, my, my kids were, were involved. I got a son who's always, well, he's a freshman now at university of Wisconsin. So I was involved coaching him quite a bit growing up and my, I have three daughters. Uh, my youngest daughter plays hockey. So, you know, up until this season, I'd, I'd coached her every year. Now there's rules here where they can't have parent coaches, which is a bit unfortunate, but you know, I, I still like to, you know, help out as much as I can. Um, again, talk to people and, and, and I, I watch hockey. Uh, you know, it's been a huge part of my life, obviously. And, and, um, you know, you just can't, uh, you know, walk away from it. It's, uh, you know, I did have some opportunities right when I finished to, to kind of get back in the game, but I just, I just felt like I owed it to my family to, to be around and, uh, not travel as much, but I, I do follow it closely, closely still and, and enjoy watching it. Just a couple more questions here before we wrap up. So, um, I know, uh, you have a relationship with another former Canuck and, and another player who, who spent a year in the BCHL and that's Willie Mitchell. Um, and I know that, uh, the town of Tofino is involved in, in that relationship and connection somehow. So can, can you explain that connection and, and kind of how it came together? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that's interesting. Willie and I, you know, obviously we were teammates in Vancouver, but, uh, the first time I met Willie, was uh i w- was my first year pro i was in albany in uh new jersey's uh, farm farm team there and uh i had a I had a my roommate was rob skurlak who um who was from port mcneil and 
Skrilly's like, hey, I got, I got a buddy that, uh, you know, he's not going to fly home for Christmas. Do you mind if he just comes and crashes at our house for a couple of nights? I'm like, yeah, man, no problem. Uh, we lived in a condo and all of a sudden, we, we, yeah, he, this is Willie, Brendan. Yeah, he's from BC, a good guy. He's going to Clarkson. So that's the first time I met him. He slept on my couch in my condo for uh, for uh, a couple a couple. So, um, so we, uh, we hit it off right away and then, and then obviously became teammates in Vancouver and, uh, he had a huge affinity for fishing. He grew up fishing. I was, you know, loved fishing. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we'd go to, you know, we'd go to training camp, everyone would bring their golf clubs and, uh, we'd bring our fishing rods. So we'd go fish. And then over the years we'd do some trips together and then, um, you know, my family, since I was a young boy, would spend would spend uh, some time over in Tofino, and I, I really just fell in love with it since I was a young boy. And then when I got married, and and my my wife, uh, you know, had never been there, brought her over. She loved it. You know, fast forward now, we were in a position where you know we wanted to. Uh, you know, kind of get a, a summer place and she, her being from the Okanagan, being from Penticton, it was, you know, do we go to the interior or, or what about Tofino? And, and, and she, and she loved Tofino. And I was like, yes, perfect. So <laughs> we, uh, we ended up getting a place in Tofino and I know, um, Willie and, and, and his wife, Megan there, they, uh, they had gone over and spent a little bit of time at her house and, and him being from the Island, he loved it as well. And so he ended up, eventually uh getting a getting a place there as well and and now he's heavily involved with uh with uh tofino resort and marina over there as an owner and uh, so I, I i and he spends a lot of time over there in the summer so we still get out on the water a few times every summer which is great last question for you um so this is the bchl 60th anniversary um you were one of the players that was set to take part in our alumni game at our outdoor event in january which uh, unfortunately was postponed but um with that in mind and, and when you think back on the history of the league your time spent in it uh what does the bc hockey league mean to you well it, it's you know for me it was a it was a huge springboard for my hockey career I mean, uh, going in there as a 17 year old kid and, uh, you know, playing in that league allowed me to, to get a lot of exposure, you know, allowed me to kind of start to grow up as a, as a young adult living away from home. You're surrounded with, uh, you know, good teammates and, and good people and had a good leadership group with their coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I, I look back on my time there in the BCHL and, and very fond, you know, loved everything about it. Uh, proud to have played in Penticton and in the BCHL. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, it puts a smile on my face when, when I think about that year. All right, Brendan. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with uh, your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, next year when, when we have our event uh, and that alumni game, keep going to those alumni skates, uh, to make sure you're fresh for, for the alumni game next year. Well, I'm, I'll be ready for it. And I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. That does it. Another episode of the BCHL podcast in the books. Uh, and it was a great episode. Thank you to my two guests, Brendan Morrison, who you just heard from, and Fred Harbinson, who we chatted with off the top. As usual, we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, Subway, uh, for helping out with the podcast. And of course, uh, a shout out to our producer, Greg Ballack. Quick plug before we go. We have a lot of new material up at bchl.ca. Uh, so if you're looking for a good read, head on over there. 
we recently posted the latest in our NHL Bloodline series. We hadn't uh, posted one of those in a while. This one is on Wenatchee Wild defenseman David Hayduk. Uh, he is the son of former Colorado Avalanche star Milan Hayduk. So we chatted with both of them and, and uh, put a, a nice story together. So if you're interested in that, have a look uh, at bchl.ca. And of course, the best way to stay up to date on the stats and standings is through bchl.ca or you can follow us on social media at BC Hockey League and we're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. All right, everybody, until next time. Thanks a lot for listening.